And hello, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. This week, we have Jay Aston, one of the founding members of Gene Loves Jezebel, the first band I ever got to see in concert, actually, in September of 87, opening for Echo and the Bunnymen and New Order. And uh, contrary to many of the articles you'll find about him online, he was not in the band Bucks Fizz. That is a different Jay Aston. So let's kick this off with the Gene Loves Jezebel track known as Heartache, everybody. Let's sit back and do the sticky jazz.
All right, everybody, welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, and this week I have on the episode Jay Aston, the vocalist and one of, the, I guess, the founding member of Gene Loves Jezebel. And uh, he's in London, and I'm here in Salt Lake. How are you doing today, Jay? Very well. Thank you, Jeremy. Greetings from uh, lockdown in London. <laughs> lockdown in London. Well, you you went dark for a while, and then you said you were somewhere in Wales, I guess back home, home home for you, and uh, you didn't have yeah, yeah. You, you didn't have internet connectivity wherever you were. So, uh, oh yeah. Well, the person I'm staying I'm staying with uh, decided to just use a phone data as opposed to the Wi-Fi she was using. It was cheaper for to use phone data. So I, I had to set up my own Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> so where, like, well, it, it, that kind of lives up to the stereotype of Wales being, you know, the country with all the, you know, farmers yeah. and no, no technology. <laughs> I mean, you've heard all the jokes about it, so. Um, uh, well, not really, but there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> I probably don't say it in my face, but. <laughs> well, well, so it was funny. I, a company I used to work at, they the one of our customers was the University of Cardiff, and right, um, right. and the joke because I, I was talking to the, to the guy's name was Christian. He was pretty funny. Everyone's like, he's like, no, like for real, we have tech here. We can flip a switch and the lights come on. It's well, fantastic, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Cardiff is what about an hour and a half on the, the quick drive from London, two hours max, whatever. It's no, it's M4 goes all right the way to Swansea, you know. So South Wales is very well connected where I'm from. It always has been, but there you go. Yeah, he was he was a funny guy. He said, "Yeah, come on over, we'll hang out." I mean, like he always he was very proud of being Welsh, and he you know Tom yeah. Jones and uh, a couple other Welsh you know boxers and and rugby players right. and footballers. Yeah, he was really proud of that. And he said, "Yeah, come yeah, on well, over, we'll hang out, we'll, we'll we'll go out drinking." And everyone's like, "Don't go drinking with Christian. It'll be the last thing you ever do." And I said, <laughs> "Why is that?" And they said, "Cause he's fucking Welsh. That's why." You know. So. <laughs> But he was a, he was one of the funniest guys I've ever talked to. So anyway, so um, yes, we have Jay. Uh, I I believe I've told you this before, but you, as Gene Loves Jezebel, were the first band I ever saw perform uh, live as a professional wow. act. It was um, September eighty seven when uh, you guys opened the set for. Uh, Echo and the Bunnymen and Gene Loves Jezebel, and you guys came out and you. Uh... Yeah, it was like a, it was a pre Lollapalooza tour. That same promoter did it. It was, it was the kind of Lollapalooza idea. Three bands. Uh, there was us, New Order, uh, and Echo and the Bunnymen. And so was, uh, well, Finch. oh yeah, it was great. You guys had what a thirty-five minute set, and uh, mm. um... was it? I it was longer than that. But there you go. I can't remember a while ago. Well, it it could have been. They just they mm -hmm. like all the records say that uh, you know the that on that bill it was you guys only got thirty five. I think maybe forty, and then the Bunnymen mm -hmm. got ninety, and New Order got ninety or whichever, right? So something like that. Yeah, it was easy tour to do in that respect for sure. <laughs> well, you guys were the loudest, as I recall. You were louder than anybody that night. You guys were just I mean, well. We're uh, we're. Uh... Ultimately, we just used bass, you know, guitar, two guitars, mostly James Stevens, and I just played a bit of rhythm and drums, you know. So that and uh, there's no, uh, there's no. I mean, the Bunny Men and New Order use lots of backing tracks and synths and tons of stuff, you know. So 
it was very much just just turn the engineer just turn us up there was no uh, having to match to to click tracks and all the, the rest of it the other bands had to use you know so uh it was easy for us to be very loud and very simple just yeah just a few channels and then off we went <laughs> so um but how was the rest of the tour? I remember reading. The tour uh, was cool, you know. They were just cokeheads, you know. They just we're we're very much alive and uh, enjoying ourselves, meeting people. We're a very sociable band. Uh huh. The real the real part is with us. They were just happy to stay in their hotel rooms, you know, talking to our road crew from what I can gather from his book. And uh, not very outgoing people. Cocaine's a very bad drug, you know. Yeah, they so, uh, they were all we were bad much, on we it much, back I guess then. We were much more into just meeting, you know meeting lots of people having fun and uh and we were lucky we were on first so we had the whole evening after that free it was great well i remember yeah they they, they were all bad into coke at that time uh, they, they actually yeah, just, yeah yeah it, so like, yeah go ahead it's like anyone that does that pretty evil drug in my opinion yeah, they, you know they used to call mac the mouth ian mckellock who's another coward you know uh, and you give anyone cocaine, they'll talk to you all night long. You know, he infamously was always slagging off Bono. Remember that years of that? Oh yeah, he so, no, he's... he was so jealous. He was so jealous of you too, because uh, you know his Jim Morrison impression wasn't uh, good enough. I'm sorry, Mac, you asshole. You can quote me on that. Um, you know, Bono is whatever you say about you two. They're very original and they can write songs. So. And they've got something to say which Echo the Bunnymen never had anything to say. Their lyrics mean nothing. Just gibberish. Well, I uh, well, I am the biggest. You two is my fave band of all time. I've well, I've well, I've been. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, I've seen them forty six times, and I've photographed them live. I and, saw them. Uh, I saw them really early, actually. Yeah, in London. Oh, jealous, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But they were, they were awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I didn't get into actually seeing them. I was actually when I saw you guys, I was only what thirteen. That was the first wow. gig I ever saw, and you two wasn't wow. coming around at the time. I I had to wait until I was I was actually eighteen and drove to uh, Tacoma, Washington, from Salt Lake to see you two that first oh, time, wow. and then I got addicted. I got hooked, man. I went and saw you know I've seen show after show after show of you two, but um, yeah. well, forty six, but. Uh, you guys, I, I remember looking back at you guys. You were just kids yourselves, right? You and uh, Chris Bell and uh, Rizzo and everybody. You guys were very young at that time. Yeah, that was well, what you're. We're, we're not twenties, so you know, we, we were. We were. You know, we we want. We, I mean, when you two started, they, they were still teenagers when they made their first hits, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, they. they I mean, they're nine seventy eight or seventy nine is when they first made a mark. So. You know, yeah, no, they were they were great. I, I just remember um, I saw them before there was ever a Gene Loves Jazz. But I remember when we first went to London, and uh, I saw them with on a bill with uh, actually with Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, Delta Five. Uh, who else was on the bill? Virgin Prunes. Oh wow! The band all in the Lyceum, which is not a big Lyceum, is famous venue in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just shows all it shows now is the Lion King. It's on endlessly, uh, obviously pre lockdown, but um. We were the last band to play the Lyceum, so um, which is a fantastic, a very famous gig. But that was a great gig. You can imagine all those bands on on the same bill. It was great. But and I just I, remember I, the first I, time I saw them, I just thought the Edge. I thought, wow, what a great singer the Edge was for number one, and his guitar sound was. He just had, he was just oceans of sound. He seemed to create, you know. Uh, Bono hadn't quite got his um, hadn't become quite become Bono yet. He was still doing his Iggy Pop kind of impersonation, climbing the speaker's leather trousers kind of face. But um, 
they, you, they, you definitely thought, oh my God, there's something special about them, uh, especially when you heard, um, what was that song? I will follow. Yeah, I will yeah, follow. I will follow. As soon as you heard that, you went, oh my God, that's going to be massive. That's just, that's what's, that they're lucky to, I mean, it's like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and all those kind of bands, they have a sound. To, to have a sound is that once you've discovered your sound, which they did with just with that one riff, you know, that was it. Off they went because that's yours forever. As soon as someone else uses that echoplex, that delay, people say, "Oh, that's you too." <laughs> so it's, it's quite funny. But well, they, yeah, they they, they, made it, they made it their own. Yeah, but they, they they've got a formula now, and and this is the hard thing to say because I was obsessed with them, right? I mean, my I've got probably seven eight hundred YouTube bootlegs. Um, I, I've got, uh, just piles of them in vinyl and CD and cassettes. I have crates of them on, on cassette, but it, uh, the last couple of records really have been just kind of cookie cutter. And that's, yeah. that's been, I mean, I'll go and see them live. Their live is always going to be phenomenal, but the, they, mm. they, like you said, they got that riff and, and they kind of, res- but they're, they're coming up, they're 60 now, you know, and they've been doing this exactly. for over yeah. 40 years and they're not the same bunch of scared kids trying to make their mark that they were in 1980, no, you know, the multi-millionaires who, you know, lords of the land. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they've taken it, but like I've. Um, I've met them and they've been just terrific guys. They've all been very nice guys, you know. Uh, And they were, I I mean, I've seen Edge with his, I've watched all documentaries, you know, and how that guy just spends all kinds of crazy time and money figuring out all these tech ways to make new funky he's sounds on his guitar. Into, he's, into, he's into technology. He's probably got more pedals, I imagine, than anyone else on the planet. I would have thought. Yeah. So no, that that's <laughs> but, uh, great. He's, I, got, he's got a Welsh. He's, he's half Welsh. His, his dad's Welsh. So yeah. That's cool. So that's good. Yeah. So, um, but I I remember that going and looking at those, and that was only your sec. That was Discover, right? When you were out there on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was discovered, but that was actually our third album. Right, but the first was... album didn't, didn't didn't come out in the US until just actually the, the Geffen for some reason released the first album or licensed it uh, for the release in the US just at, at the same time as um, House of Dolls came out, which confused people. A lot of people thought it was our new album. <laughs> yeah, and I actually that I was going to bring that up because I had to go and open it up and read this. I was like, wait a minute, the dates on these are. You know, why are we getting this now in, in 1988 oh, well, then, you know, know when... Geth, Gethin Records, these are A&Rs, I don't know. They don't really think these things through to most of them, do they? It's, it's how anyone ever makes it in the music business is actually a miracle. There's so much, you know, amateurism <laughs> involved. Some people just actually don't know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And that's... Us, they, they just released it and I was like... Uh, People come up to you, oh, I like your new album, man. It's really different. I was like, mm. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the thing is to see the to see the uh, the difference there because it also yeah. sounded rather different from House of Dolls. Oh, and well, it's different musicians, yeah. But well, I mean, we all the musicians when we did that first album, we we didn't tour very much. You know, all the guys involved with that. I mean, a guitar player uh, had a nervous breakdown, so he couldn't continue in America. That's how James Stevens uh, joined the band. 
and you change the main guitarist that's that'll change your sound <laughs> excuse me just um immediately well, it did that, and mm-hmm. so we, we were like, gee, what is this? So we had to go look at the dates, and we're like, oh, wait, so Promise was like this this long ago, and, yes, and it was fine. Fun. I mean, we, you know, we, I mean, we loved what we were hearing. We loved Immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Promise got some good, really good songs, and I think there's a couple of really classics on it, so it's good. But that's fine by me. I still do. Upstairs, I still do on my own, and we often do as a band. As the last encore, which is the first song on the first album, which is a uh, you know, it's not a bad song. I'm t- I'm trying to think. So we were, I I remembered being really excited when I was watching. This is back in the tail end of when Miami Vice was kind of winding down, and right, and they always had cool music in there. And then mm-hmm. I, I heard 20 kilohertz in there. I was like, wow, that's like... Perfect song. That song fit perfectly, yeah. <laughs> well, since it's an anti-drug song, especially, I don't know if they knew that, but uh, <laughs> that's what I wrote about. Well, it it's was... About effect, it's about the effects of cocaine. That's what that song's about. So uh, was that written from your own experience there, or was uh, it, some, is it, or is some, it because you, you just saw it take everybody else out? I stopped. I, mean, I I've done that drug like anybody else, you know. I didn't. It doesn't work for me. But um, but I saw what it did to other people. I won't mention names. But um, well, well you already have. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apart from those assholes, yeah. Um, uh, that's well documented. Those guys. But um, as far as my own experience, yeah. I mean, I've seen uh, people just become shells, shells, and just empty or just dead. Um, which is sad, you know. Some of the like Silver Surfer do the belly flop. It's just you know, it's just what that drug does to people. You know, well, it doesn't if, make them better. That's for sure. Well, do you know uh, the uh, do you, I don't know if you know the band TSOL. Um, of course, yeah, yeah. So Jack Grisham, I, I, I'm uh, professionally friends with that guy. I love the guy, right? Oh, awesome. He's he's amazing. With, yeah, we did some gigs with him in. Um, in Brazil. Oh, okay. And, and, and weirdly enough, it was us, them, and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. Can you believe it? <laughs> what year was this? What year was this? Because um, I, I know the... Ten years, probably 10 years ago. Okay, because I know that Bunnymen are huge in Brazil. I mean, in Brazil, those guys are well, gods. So. Not, not as big as they used to be, that's for sure. But, uh, uh, but so, uh, you know that Jack uh, is a... Uh, he okay, so I don't know if you do you know who Josie Cotton is? She sang that song Johnny Are You Queer? Anyway, she she calls Jack Grisham the leader of TSO. <laughs> she she calls him the uh the Marlon Brando of punk. Yeah. And, they're, awesome, they're awesome guys. Oh, they're all they're but, they're awesome guys. We because we traveled in the same van together. It's great. Right. So so you know that Jack is almost a stand-up comedian. Like he he could have got he he I I've said this about him. He was on his way to being a stand-up comedian and got derailed being in a band, right? Yeah. Um, Do you know a lot of a lot of singers I think could a lot of comedians can sing and often good musicians. It's funny how that yeah. Well, most, most singers, most singers usually, not all, have a sense of humor. Oh well, Jack is Jack is the yeah. best. But he he yeah. talked about at, at one point he he is now a a hypnotherapist, and oh, wow. he uh, he he gets people off drugs. That's how he works with you know. That's awesome. one of his. And yeah, talked a bit about that. Yeah. And and he talked about it at one point where he he said you know drugs were like when I was a kid. 
and I had this uh, soldering iron, and I was trying to do some work with it, and I grabbed it, and I grabbed it the wrong way, and it burnt my hand, and it just, you know, I try, I threw it against the wall. I never touched that thing again because no matter yeah. how, you know. And he, he said, that was me and drugs, man. So, you know what? Drugs exactly, just... Yeah, yeah. And... And so you're like, well, that's just that's just uh, Jack, you know. And he was, mm-hmm. um, he, he he talked about that, and and he he got off drugs like back in '89, and he's been very uh, supportive of helping everybody else get clear of drugs. So um, yeah, I think you might have mentioned that. You might, you might might have talked about. I think we might have talked about. It, it was such a long time ago. Yeah, but he wrote back in L.A. Yeah. But when uh, I see, I mean, Iggy Pop, I don't think he'll, Iggy Pop is going to die playing, of a heart attack, playing catch with his grandson. You know, he's he's going to, I mean, (laughs) he's going to die when the ladder falls down, taking Christmas tree lights down when he's 95. You know, Iggy Pop will not Mm. die from a drug overdose. He's very healthy, isn't he? Obviously, in the 70s, he was out of control, but uh, in the, but Certainly, by the time punk happened, he was a health freak, wasn't he? I mean, he used to work out and very aware of his health, from what I've heard from. People oh yeah, you mean there. punk the movie? Yes, the the documentary. Yeah, well, he's about, a. You said Iggy Pop, right? Yeah, Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying he's very health conscious for the last, I don't know, thirty, forty years, and he's he's very aware of his health. Well, he's, yeah. uh, I don't know, he's hes had overdoses and been through it all on it. But yeah, he'll, he'll go in phases where he's like, he'll like get off all the drugs cold turkey. Like, he just gets tired one day, he says, all right, I'm going to stop. And he goes like vegan and, and doesn't, you yeah, know, yeah. and then he, and he'll do that for five years and then go, okay, I want to go get fucked up again. You know, and that's just icky. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and he, he'll go yeah, in phases, yeah. but somehow the guy has, has, he's pulled it off, you know, but, uh, wow, that amazes me. What he's, yeah, he's very lean, isn't he? He's strong and lean, so, you know, maybe that's his, he's lucky. He's like Keith Richards. I mean, how does he get away with it, you know? So. Uh, well, Keith Richards died 30 years ago, man. The drugs just haven't worn <laughs> off. So my my thing about Keith... I can't Keith... imagine being that out of it for, to miss that much of your life. I mean, he's been in the most success, probably the most successful band in history because uh, they're still working, you know? Yeah. Um, and yet he's been, for most of it, he hasn't been conscious. He's been asleep. And the and the, and the recording desk, uh, soundboards, or you know, just passed out. Uh, so it's a bit sad, you know. You much better be. A, days are very short, you know, and you have to make the most of it. Drugs get in the way of all of that. Well, he he did opinion. bring this up a while back. He said, uh, and this was up on the news, which I actually laughed. It came up in in one of the music for uh, papers that I'm in or that I read, you know, on these web forums, and it says. Keith Richards has quit drinking, and it's like, well, no, never too late, right? And he yeah. he he talked about it. He just said, I don't know, I just didn't like drinking anymore, so I stopped. <laughs> wow. Like, you can't believe it, you know, after everything that guy's been through and done. So that yeah, was that was cool to hear, while. you know. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The nonsense, like Lemmy and that they believe. I mean, that's what believe if they believe made him happy, but they believe the myth, you know. Well, um, well, let me let me hate like hard brother, drugs. We talk about my brother Ted, you know. Yeah. Uh, when I went to see him, and he he obviously had cancer, and uh, I met met him in the pub, and he's and he says, "Oh, you know," he said, "I'd probably give up drinking, but it's a bit too late now." Which because he always had a dry sense of humour, you know, because mm-hmm. he knew he was going to die. So, um, you know, it's uh, alcohol is a weird thing. 
Well, actually, a lot really. <laughs> well, yeah. Can we talk about Ted? By the way, um, first of all, yeah, I I appreciate you uh, wanting to help us for the cancer project. I really do. And um, I just remember you were there on stage uh, with the alarm, and oh, that was one hell of a show. By the way, got to get back to that. But um, that was great, great, great. That was a great tour. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but everybody, like anybody, has anything to say about Mike Peters? They're like, oh, he's the fucking sweetest guy in the world. He's a lovely man, gentleman. Everyone, you know, I mean, everyone says that about Mike Peters. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you had. Uh, talked about how you had uh, you you and uh, what's his name had a brother that died. Can't remember the guy you were talking about. Um, oh, Pete Rizzo. The yeah, Pete Rizzo. Yeah, yeah Pete's wait. Brother Mick, yeah, I'm I'm friends with him on Facebook too. I, but anyway, yeah. So you oh, both yeah. said that you, you said awesome. we we both have a brother that that died, <laughs> and then you mm. sang. Um, well, yeah. Tell uh, us about the song, uh, please. Uh, well, what was happening uh, a few years ago? Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Tell us the song title first, I guess. Oh, it's called How Do You Say Goodbye to Someone You Love? Right. Uh, the background of that was Pete and I, uh, the Gene Loves Jazz World, we weren't doing anything for a while. And I'd always, uh, back in that 1987, I think it was, we were going to leave Gene Loves Jazz about and form our own band. But then my brother left and we carried on with Jeanless Jezebel, you know. Um, and so when we had this little quiet about three or four years ago, it might have been longer than that, actually, that we had a space, nothing happening. I said, oh, Pete, let's, um, let's work on some music. He started sending me some music stuff. And I said, oh, let's do so because Pete's an amazing musician. And um, I said, I'll come up to York and, you know, we'll work on with some music. And that became Ugly Bugs. And we wrote all these songs. And Pete had lost his brother you know uh, fairly recently and there was a lot and he'd written a lot of lyrics and and as we were working together on the songs he was presenting me with some of these lyrics and some of them which are so dark you know i said peter i can't sing these man they're just uh, too heavy you know uh and i said you should um i use some of them in how you how do you say goodbye to someone you love uh but and dance um Dance Underwater it features a lot of lyrics about his brother as well which I didn't change but uh, I said you should learn to sing but he couldn't sing because when my brother left we needed someone to do backing vocals what my brother used to do you know mm-hmm. and so uh, and I saw so then I when, when he first went to the mic we just all laughed because there was no way he was going to sing but since then I'd quit up smoking and I'd quit drinking and I'd really fucked up my voice basically and then I got my own voice back so I learned taught myself how to sing again you know and uh, so I, I can teach people how to sing. And I, so I taught him how to sing. And one day I went, because I used to go and visit York. I was in London or, or L.A. And when I was in London, I'd go up to York. And we'd work on some of the Ugly Bugs songs. And he played me Dance in the Water. And I thought, well, I thought the, those back, I said, I don't remember doing those backing vocals because they were perfectly in pitch and everything, you know. And he'd worked on what I showed him how to sing. And he copied me exactly my backing oh, wow. vocals and i was i was just blown away so but you can look at if you look at some of his stuff um he, he calls himself peter bug rizzo on youtube you'll see him sing and uh, when we we're doing the dance in the water the last time we just did which the fans you know uh, paid for which is awesome um he i mean he wanted me to do some of the songs which you can see on his uh, on his on his youtube but he sings in such a unique way in his own voice you know I'm gonna have said, to ask him about that. <laughs> I say, Pete, man, you, uh, you. I'm not gonna try and. I'll 
messed my voice up. You know, it's so powerful. It's like crazy. And uh, I said, but you should put that stuff out. And uh, he's an amazing. Uh, Pete can do anything he, put, he puts his mind to. You know, it's languages, anything. You know, he can learn anything. I remember him sending him Logic Pro when it was ex- still quite expensive to buy because I used to work for Apple for a while, you know. And um, so I sent him Logic Pro and he learned it so quickly. It was unbelievable, you know, all the plugins and everything. So uh, he's that kind of person. He's very academic and he's very smart and incredible musician. I mean, guitar player, bass player, best of his generation without a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, but he always been dedicated to bring up his family, you know, the girls. And so he dedicated all that time. He could have been doing playing, going around the planet with other bands. He's dedicated to his, his family because he's very, uh, he's a lovely, lovely human being, Pete. Oh, well, he he was, I, I talked to him, okay, when you came, were here with the alarm that night, um, mm-hmm. you took off. They said you went off to, like, Trader Joe's or something. Well, the thing is, I'm vegan. It was, it was hard for me to find food a lot of the time on the road, especially okay. some of the long drives. And so, um, fortunately, being around for so long, we, we, we make friends in every town we're from. And they know I'm vegan. They go, oh, Jay, um, listen, I'll pack, pick you up at the gig and we'll go to Trader Joe's or wherever you want to go and we'll find some food, which I would do so then I could store it and, you know. Yeah, because I was talking to your, I was talking <laughs> to your drummer and I was like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, no, Jay took out to Trader Joe's. I'm like, well, all right then. And he was, but, uh, and I, I was talking I to. <laughs> I did come back. Yeah. And I, I, I was talking to um, Pete and um, uh, Garrick. The, the roadie, the, the goofball in his kilt, man. And so he, oh, the, yeah, yeah. that guy's great too. And he, I gave him my email address. I gave him my card and he's like, yeah, I'll reach out to you next week for the photos. And he never did, you know, I'm like, well, whatever. So, uh, um, you, you get, you sometimes you just get on the bus and next time <laughs> it's all mad. You know, but touring is insane. Oh no, it is. But, uh, so <laughs> So that was when you you both played. Uh, How do you say goodbye to someone you love? And mm-hmm. it wasn't until you came back through with the chameleons a few months later that you actually told the story as to you know this is about my brother and this is you know yeah, you yeah. gave a little more detail about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I will say this: so on stage with uh, Pete Rizzo and you know the whole layout. Of, yeah. of the whole band, James Stevenson yeah. and, and Chris Bell, everybody, you're up yeah. there dancing around, howling, you know, almost in in, in the pitches that you know that, that they, you have that that shrill. I don't know how to describe it, and, and you're doing all that, and it's great, and it's fun, and and it's very energetic. And then there you were open for the Chameleons, and it was so scaled down. I was like, wow, <laughs> he's <laughs> he's got this complete other side to him. To be, but but you you played it, you know what what you played was great too. But I was like, whoa, this is a very different side of the guy. And I, I, I okay, now that we talk about, it, I guess you, you probably wouldn't have as much fun being that lively without Peter behind you. Uh, what I would think. Well, is, they're, they're just different. Um, the different things. You know, when I do, um, that we're we're all quite human beings. We're all complicated. We're, we're not all extrovert. We're not all introvert. We're all somewhere in between and. Both and all these things, aren't we really? Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, so when I'm in a, in a high energy band, which the Jezebels are, you know, uh, then I just want to s- just you know just tear out of my body. I just I just want to 
because you have so much energy, what should, what should I get when I'm on stage with, the, with those guys that I just can't stop moving. So that's why I dance all night. You know, I just can't stop. I just love to be alive, very alive. But when I'm doing my acoustic thing, which is how I write songs, Jen, Desire and all those songs I wrote acoustically first, and if I played them on my own, they would sound a lot um, sadder. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was thinking, so, like, yeah, especially yeah. Desire, because... Um, Let's see, because that yeah. night, the first gig, again, you know, we're going through a lot of history I have with you. But, yeah, when you were there in 87, you are like, what do you want to hear? And we all were like, desire. You're like, I can't fucking hear you. <laughs> you know, and, we're all, <laughs> and that was, I mean, you really had the crowd wound up that night. And that was, again, that was my first actual show. I'm there in the front, and I'm getting crushed up against the barricade. And there's a mosh pit behind me, and I thought, this is, mm. this is, this is life. This is where it's all gonna, you know, uh, th th this is at 13. That was such a coming of age moment. That was when I was hooked on, that was when I was hooked on music. Right. Again, mm -hmm. I didn't know that, that there was, you know, pounds and pounds or kilos of blow going on once everybody else walked off stage or before they could <laughs> walk on stage. But I mean, I've, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I've, so, um, that was great to experience that and then to see you in the scale down set that night. Although I, I have to say I was somewhat confused and just laugh at me for this because, you know, it said Jay Aston theater of hate and then the chameleons. And I thought, Oh, this theater of hate must be Jay Aston's new band. Right. I oh. never heard of those guys. Yeah. And I, I, I'd i never heard of them. And then that night, I was like, oh, they're they're like a different band. And whoa, that was just as crazy. All in all, you, the Chameleons, the Salt Lake's opening band, I can't remember who they were. Um, mm. All of you guys, that was like... That was like the, the the falling from the sky amazing, you know. Mm, it was a there was a good bill, you know. I mean, yeah, theater weren't famous in America, and so um, and I've known them for a while. I've known Kirk and, and the guys a long time, and Chris Bell was actually in uh, uh, Spear of Destiny, which is Kirk's other band before yeah yeah uh, bef before he, he joined us. Although he played on the Immigrant album, he didn't enjoy it. Enjoy, he didn't actually with us until house of dolls you know um so i've known them a long time and you know they just asked me they just oh jay we're gonna we're touring with vox chameleons which is another band we, we played with the chameleons very early on in our career in manchester and they were a very interesting band you know <coughs> i noticed way back when and then um and said, yeah, we've got with the chameleons do you fancy doing your acoustic thing yeah i know you're always because my dream's always to just do my me and a guitar which I find very scary and challenging, but also very exciting. And to be, you know, just that troubadour out there on the road, you know. And so that was a dream for me to do that tour. And, um, and, and so that's how that bill happened. And it, <coughs> we all got on so great, you know. And it was a, the bands are also, everything was so different. Each, each act was so different. It was, they complemented each other really well, I thought. Right. Well, like Theatre of Hate, this, this, post-punk band with mm. the 
um, a sax player as as the mm-hmm. main. You know what I mean? It was the main. Yeah, yeah he's a great. Yeah, Clive, very quick sax player. Yeah. And and you're you're used to thinking well, sax would be uh, a backing type thing, and it would be this or that, and mm-hmm. but no, they had that as like the main instrument every show, yeah, and it worked always. Always it, had sa- he always loved saxes <laughs> in his bands, yeah. But it, it, it worked. Yeah. They were just like... Mm. And mm. so that was actually probably the biggest surprise of for yeah, years. very original. No oh, one sounds like them. No one sounds like that, theater of the hate, key. man. The key to life is to find out who you are. And with music, musicians are trying to create an identity. And it's the same thing just on, on a larger scale with a band, obviously, and... Uh, yeah, there's no one else like them. No one else sings like Kirk. And he said to me, Jay, well, no one sings like you, but he's, he's got a unique operatic way of doing things, you know, which I think is awesome. Well, when I went and saw, like, the other band that surprised me, like Theater of Hate, was um, when I saw, uh, I went to see A House, and uh, they were opening for a band called the Go-Betweens. And, oh yeah, go between. It's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, they were. And, and, I mean, now A House were. If, if you were on a scale of one to ten, A House were a fifteen, right? Those guys were so good wow. live. If, if you've ever oh, seen them, YouTube. I've never seen them live. Oh, oh man, you. They were. They were top notch, right? Like I would compare their show as, as good as you two you know. Wow. And then I and then the Go Betweens came out and they played and. Lovely songwriters, yeah. Oh well, they and and they just kept going, and and I, I'd never heard them before, and they were so good. And I remember yeah. just taking taking it all in. And at the end, the guy came out and said, "Sorry, we we don't have any more songs to play." <laughs> <You know? laughs> like we we just kept, and then they came out and said, "Well, can we do what? Yeah, hey, what, can you? Yeah." And then they were improvising; they were picking up stuff that they hadn't done in a while because we just wouldn't let them go, you know. And they're like, yeah. "Fine, you know, don't come backstage and beat us up. We're done. We can't do anymore, <laughs> you know." And the only beautiful thing, the only other time that happened was I saw Mark with uh, the actual chameleons that you know, old old school mm-hmm. chameleons in Boston. And that was the same thing. Uh, Mark just came out after it was all done, and he said, look, everybody, we weren't expecting this kind of a turnout. We weren't expecting you guys to, you know, we, we, we haven't rehearsed any more songs. We, I apologize. We just can't do any more tonight. Thank you so much. But, you know, he said, you've, you've taken it all out of us, everybody. Thank you. And, <laughs> yeah, he's a lovely guy, Mark. Yeah. But that's Mark, though. When he takes the stage, man, he's intense. He does. He, he <laughs> He Absolutely, lays it all yeah. out there. He's 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 all on. He's it's um he he, he takes no prisoners, does he? <laughs> no, like, no. I yeah. Like, yeah. Him and, and and Mike, like Mike will go out there. Mike Peters will go out there, and I've seen him where you can tell his voice. He's really had it, and his voice will be cracking, and he's still just you know. He he, yeah, he keeps going, he man. Does over, he, he needs to look after his voice a bit better, I think. Oh, so you you've heard it happen too, he right? Okay. He just can't. He just can't help it. He just. Uh, oh, he's so into it, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm watching. I'm watching him, and I'm like, okay, go take a breather, drink some water, and you know, you can <laughs> you can keep doing this. But he, yeah, he's like that. Like you say, he takes no prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, yeah, hundred percent. Well, so I remembered watching. Um, I, I, I'd seen a couple of your your concert clips and whatnot, and I you know loved it uh, over the years. And when I saw the, um, 
I saw a video that had been caught of the New York Dolls. All right, yeah. And I was watching them, and then I, because like I'd heard all the music, you know, loved it, but then I had to actually go back, and you know, there's like back in the early '90s when we were starting to be able to get a hold of video footage from everywhere. Yeah, as, yeah. you know, pre YouTube, but we still did it. And I remember watching some of it and thinking, how many bad knockoffs of the New York Dolls are there out there? With 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 poison and Motley mm. Crue and you know all these like glam cheesy glam mm. metal bands, but then there was mm. one clip that I saw and I was like, "Gene loves Jezebel nailed it, man." They <laughs> and I I hope that you're okay with me saying that, but you guys had captured a part of the New York Dolls that nobody else did in in how you just sounded how it, it felt and, and, you know, just the colorfulness of your outfits, everything. I was like, these guys are like, you know, they're, they're, they're not trying to be the dolls, but obviously they're, they've, they've got something really solid in them. And yeah. so oh, thanks, man. the way I look at it is, uh, I mean, they would have been an influence. I mean, James loved, um, loved the dolls, you know, uh, but we all, I mean, they would have, once you, we saw, obviously, we saw the New York Dolls on TV in England in 1974, I can't remember, around there sometime. And they were just awesome. The personality was just phenomenal. <laughs> and the TV, you probably see it, it's called the Old Grey Whistle Test. Yep. The presenter just yep. doesn't get it at all. But we all got it, you know. So they were speaking to us as, you know, youngsters. They, they were like, oh, my God, they're awesome. But, uh, yeah, they, I mean, that swagger and the colour. I mean... I just thought we we came out of a you know the post punk time when it was all dark and Bauhaus and Joy Division all the bands they were the bands just before us you know and so I I wanted to go uh, for color you know I just went up to the immigrant album you know it's we, we, before Gothic was even invented and people look back on us as being one of the early goth bands now but there was a moment where uh, eighty four eighty five early eighty no eighty four probably where I I just decided. Now let's let's go the other way. Let's have lots of color and you know. Well, yeah. So yeah, so, you and you, and, uh, you and and a lot of people didn't know how to take it because it was the whole post punk new wave thing. Yeah, well, they did. We weren't popular because of it. Because all the I mean, to this day, you know, we're outsiders. We don't fit with anybody really because you know. Well, but, you um, you had the our, you, nails were, our nails were too clean for a lot of the rockers, you know, and. Um, uh, you know, we just didn't fit. We didn't fit in with the the Manchester crowd. You know, the, the Scousers. Uh, we were just on our own, and uh, you know, I, I'm proud of that. You know, they just couldn't put us in a box. Well, and, what uh, I what I loved about it actually was that you had this. Yeah, there was the goth thing, which you weren't really. I mean, mm -hmm. you you had goth sound in there, but and, and there was a lot. But you had these larger than life personalities on stage. And mm. you were, um, you you had the glam vibe, and and it wasn't over the top cheesy. No, that it wasn't poison. that yeah, that was like poison, mm. and that and, and, and I remember like um, uh, you had these West Coast bands trying to be Guns and Roses, and there they were with their lace collars, mm. and I was like, you yeah. guys are adamant mm. trying to play shit metal, you know. So that was, yeah. it was funny because you guys had this, you're, you, you had the glam thing very well done. 
And I don't know if you were trying to be the glam band like like the dolls no, we were or. Trying to be we're trying to be cl- probably glamorous, but not glam. Yeah, as, as, as you know, when it's cheesy and, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Gary Glitter was. We didn't, we didn't see ourselves as a glam band, but obviously we like to wear makeup and I colored lots of color and my hair would be red or purple or whatever. I did it that, you know, that week. And, uh, you know, that's. <laughs> but there were still. I but I, but I all the, uh, the other bands. But all the goths still went to your shows, man. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think goth is. I mean, Led Zeppelin are goth. You know what I mean? If you listen to a lot of their stuff, in my opinion, it's mystical, dark, and, you know. Um, and it's. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, if you just close your eyes and just listen to the music, it, it can be anything. It's like David Bowie. I mean,. It, he could have done some of the cheesier songs because the fans perceive him as being, you know, this mysterious figure. They'd say it was cool because some of his songs ain't very cool. <laughs> well, there was, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I think um, what what I get a kick out of is that uh, I've I have met and hung out with Peter Murphy in a million different settings, and that guy's anything but his fans, you know. <laughs> And I love that about the guy. He'll, he's funny. He's charming. He's grumpy. You know, whatever. But he's mm-hmm. not the goth stoic guy. You know, and he, no, he's no, no, and, and a lot of sense of Yeah, I've so, never really hung out with Pete. I've said hi to him a couple times, but I've never hung out with him. Yeah, he's so he's know. great because he's not the stoic guy that you would see in the Bella Lugosi's Dead idea. You know. So no, that no, was that's, the, that's theater, isn't it? Just, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Peter Murphy, mm-hmm. very theatric as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but uh, what about the times like when you came out on uh, House of Dolls tour? Um, I loved the, the the different feeling of I don't know. I mean, how do I explain this? When uh, um, when bands you you really caught. I mean, some of the the lyrics seemed simple and like gorgeous. I was like, that's kind of a you know that there were simple lyrics and i didn't think you were trying to be as as intense or as uh i I think that that album at least for gorgeous and motion of love which were great songs and they they you know the riffs and and the vocals all that was great but it was just a different vibe altogether than what we had gotten out of the out of the discover album and I, i i thought oh it's light these guys are like lightening up and they're having, you know, but yeah, you could talk about that for a second. Uh, it's well, it's, it's not. It's, I mean, I, it's, how can I go into that? Um, of course, the lyrics. I mean, they're uh, it's the talking about me where when I'm come from uh, Wales, you know, and where I came from, and uh, and just trying to get out and just seeing a light, you know, outside of like you always want to go to the big city, which would be in London at the time, mm-hmm. and that's. Um, just a lot of my songs some of them just speaking about myself but I use you know third person and that's probably one of those songs where I do that to some degree you know um, thinking I'm great and no one else thinking thinking the same way probably at the time and uh, you know just uh, just as I said identity is the big thing in my life and for anyone's life really finding out who you are and being a twin where people just put you in a pocket makes it even more uh, an issue for me you know so uh, this light, I mean, there's, there's songs. I mean, 
Um, I'm, I look, I look, I know a lot more about music than I did then. I could, I could play, I could write songs, I play the chords, but I didn't know much about music theory and all those kind of things. Uh huh. And I look back and I think, God, oh, some of those songs are just so clever, you know. But I didn't know what I was doing. And people used to come up to me and say, "That's really weird where you went to there." And normally people would go to the, you know, the, the, the fourth or the fifth, you know, they, I, I would go somewhere else. And that's because I didn't know you. Those, those were the rules at the time. Uh huh. So. Uh, I mean the production. I mean, well, yeah, that's the thing is like the, exactly. the production on House of Dolls was outstanding, right? That was, Desire, I mean, it was yeah. great. Desire had been a, uh, never actually released as a single in the US. It was a top forty dance hit and it was a massive hit on MTV. It was the number one song on college radio of nineteen eighty six. So they they were looking to get in, were looking especially to follow that up. So. The pressures, and I, I write songs. I'm a singer. I like to follow me- melodies. Are very important to me as a as a singer. So um, it's nothing for me to write uh, just uh, melodic songs, three minute songs. I love doing that. It's a challenge, you know. Um, but you know, the production would would have been it's probably more a popular production on that album. But um, oh, it was the songs great. Actually, I mean, 20 kilohertz and a lot of I mean, treasure and a lot of those songs. They are rock songs, you know. Right, they they were they were great. It just it was a uh, uh, just lyrically, it was like wow, this is. I mean, we all loved the record, but it was just a different, not as. Well, in- put it this way. Put yeah. it this way. If you record it twenty kilohertz in a in a in a rubbish studio in some basement in in Hackney in London, and with a local engineer, it would have sounded probably as gothic as dark as you could imagine. It's mm-hmm. Just because we had the best engineers, the best studios, and. Uh, you know, they uh, was very high, high quality, high definition, and probably, to some degree, probably overproduced to some degree. Oh, yeah, I, I, I still, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one that uh, it. I was surprised at how well you guys sounded, even you know, two years ago when you came through with the alarm. When you were playing those songs, I was like, man, it was mm. like this. Mm. It, it it all felt like um, mm. the the audio version of uh, the the big surfer wave that comes up, and you know, when the surfers <laughs> try and ride under that wave, right? That was what it felt like. Was that oh, I was that little guy yeah. surfing, and here, and and I was there surfing, and I was also on the other side watching it all just come down on us. That was how. Mm. It all felt that night live with, the, awesome. with those songs. Yeah, that was, was a great like, gig. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, as you know, there's two versions of Geno's Jazz in the US. Mm-hmm. We, won't, we won't go into that. But the version I'm playing with is the band that played in House of Dolls. You know, yeah. so and so if you listen to Desire or any of those songs, or you know, it's that's me, James, and Pete uh, and Chris. Uh, you know, and that's so that's what you're going to get. We plug in, and that's what you're going to get. If you use someone else. Uh, they just can't James is a very original but they're all very got, they've got their own sound they've got their own thing you know and, um, oh yeah but it was it very was such a good lots of people can play guitar but not not so many people can do it live you know well and the thing it's, is that yeah. and I also hand it to that venue that venue has like the shit lighting it's awful mm. lighting in that venue but the sound is uh, unmistakable yeah. that for it was, a huge, huge, it was a huge place wasn't it yeah yeah. Like I, oh, it was packed though. You guys sold it out. Yeah. I mean, you guys were yeah, like, it was, yeah. It was but, just us and the alarm. It was great. Yeah, and we had a long set as well, which is great. It suits us to have longer sets, you know. Well, the the, yeah. the the kicker for that is that well, they they built that venue. They tore down the old warehouse and turned it into the venue that it is. 
they redid all they they did it for the acoustics. They started with nothing and then built into uh, it. Unlike a lot of venues where, oh hey, we have a building with walls, let's see what we can make it sound like. There they had nothing. It was empty and then they built it around the acoustics and that's why that the complex, I don't know if they're gonna stay open, but that's why mm. those guys sound that that's why you guys sounded so it sounds there. But like I I've seen some bands there that I've seen in other venues and I'm like, wow, this band really sucks. Except here they sound great you know so, yeah um yeah, it's funny yeah. i i saw um you know i've seen lords of acid and everybody in that one i've seen i've seen a lot of good shows there um right so uh shit what was i gonna say um this was one it was on the tip of my tongue i was awfully excited about saying it and now i totally have spaced it um so <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 so all right i missed the tour uh let's see did uh when you went out with the alarm and the mission right was that you or was that your brother's incarnation no no that was that was us yeah we, that was um that, that, yeah that was the mission and us and and just mike peters and, and that was Mike in, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah, and it was uh, 99, right? And I missed that just yeah. because I was hopping across the country, and I missed a lot of good shows that year. But, um, yeah, that was a fun tour. I mean, that was just Mike on his own on that one. Uh, it was interesting because the mission, cause, because Wayne was a really uh, good friend now. Uh, I've known Wayne a long time. He he hadn't toured for a long time, and we had to really drag him out of his shell because he'd, he'd be like, oh, I don't want to get into that that scene anymore you know the life is such hard work and whatever reasons but, uh, but wayne performing is wayne is an incredible awesome. performer it's yeah. very original again when you hear him singing oh that's that's wayne there's no one else sings like that and uh and uh of course he did the first gig in boston and he was away again it was like yeah and he hasn't stopped playing since and the gigs we were doing in europe just before lockdown uh we were with the mission in, in europe so i left la came over here and then suddenly we were on our way to madrid and that's it but the lockdown just came into full effect and i couldn't get back to the u.s and i've been marooned in london ever since <laughs> well yes actually i've been talking to simon hinkler and uh yeah, he, simon's awesome simon's yeah. great um yeah. i so uh it was really fun to talk to him because i mean the, the the mission's history is so colorful and sordid and crazy anyway but <laughs> um I love Wayne is so charismatic when he performs. I can't explain it, but he's so he he just collects your focus in such a way and he doesn't he's not up there dancing or whatever, but he'll come out and he'll talk and you just enjoy listening to him talk and he could talk about, you know, uh, working on his car and you would just still enjoy hearing him talk. You know, he's very Absolutely. good that way. <laughs> But when he, yeah, like you said, his his stage performance is second to none. I would go and see Wayne or The Mission every night for the rest of my life if I could. Wayne puts on such yeah, an yeah. incredible show. Uh, yeah, we've done quite a few gigs then. Yeah. Yeah. No, Wayne's terrific. Um, what about your your time on the road with Flesh for Lulu? Because Flesh for Lulu were one of those bands that I kind of stuck next to you for such a long time and and then michael i know he he got cancer and then flesh really kind of just crashed but um yeah yeah uh, how how because well, both of you guys were so good and so fun and i mean yes you sounded different enough from each other but i you know you guys were in in my version you guys were like the the fraternal twin bands to each other you know you just you just fit <laughs> so well together they're great 
that's that's an odd one. I got mixed feelings about those guys, you know. Because, yeah. Um, well, they they actually begged my brother to come on that tour. I, I was either way, you know. Uh, so we actually did them a favour by letting them open for us, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's, uh, it's when in the pre- if you look at their website, that they just pretend that we never existed, or if we did exist, that they were co-headlining with us. So they've been very disrespectful towards us, you know. Wow. No, so, I uh, I haven't. I I didn't notice that because like, again I don't see a lot happening yeah. in flesh for Lulu for a long well, it's time. Well, a bit, and, a bit of know. revisionist, you know, because we're not yeah. cool at the minute. But no doubt, some journalists would say how cool we were. It does happen as a BBC journalist saying the best live band you ever saw. Uh, you know, they'll probably say how oh, wonderful. Yeah, we toured with them, but for the moment, we're not in the the list of cool bands. So I got very mixed feelings about them. But I was supposed to tour, you know, with um, with Trevor Tanner. Mm-hmm. The oh, the Bolshoi! Damn, I yeah. oh we, wow! I did some acoustic. We did some East Coast gigs together, but it was originally supposed to be with um, the singer. Just he Trevor. He passed away. Just Trevor and the singer and the singer from Flesh for Lulu, who's obviously passed away from cancer now, unfortunately. But uh, we were supposed to tour together, three three singers, you know, do acoustic stuff. And, but it, obviously, cancer took. Took flesh for losers. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember but, uh, Michael. He he did a piece about. It. He talked about. It. I I saw that clip. Mm-hmm. I guess on on MTV or something forever ago. But he mm-hmm. he did talk about in a quick interview about getting cancer and how he just had to you know stop everything mm-hmm. to. But, um, but then it finally it came back and took him. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but we were supposed to tour tour together, but obviously we couldn't do that because he was very ill. And then a couple, a few years ago. Um, Do you still Tre- talk to Trevor Tre- Tanner, by the way? Oh, I love Trevor. So, I mean, that's another story together. Because as I said earlier, my favorite thing, to, I love touring with the Jezebels. Because we're old friends and we get on really well. And Because I would and, kill you know. Elvis twice to talk to Trevor Tanner. I'm a crazy, weird Bolshoi fan, man. <laughs> yeah, good, really good. But I tell you what, Trevor's very talented indeed. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, Trevor. The funny, the funny, it took a long time to get that tour together. And we did it just up the East Coast, about eight gigs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did know t- to the last minute if he's even going to turn up. Because Trevor can be, you know, an, <laughs> quite very difficult to get hold of. And um but the funny thing I did, and the person who's booked the tour said to me, oh, you know, my friend Richard says, oh, Trevor, he can, you know, he might not hear from me, he might turn up, he might not. And I'm like, well, I'm going to fly all the way over to uh, Atlanta where the first gig was. I don't even know if he's going to turn up, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is my first acoustic gigs on my own, too, which, is, you know, was something, as I said, I right. love yeah. touring with the Jezebels, but on my own, it's a different adventure altogether. And so I got there, and literally, two, like five minutes before I went on stage, uh, he turned up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I thought, I don't know, I don't know we're out, because there was a bit of right, because we were both on beggars, there was a bit of rivalry between all the bands, you know, on beggars, mm-hmm. birthday party, the Bowers, is Gino's Jezebel, Flesh for Lulu, uh, Bolshoi, all the Cocktail Twins, all the bands on that label. There was definitely competition, the cult, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, but the thing was, I didn't know if I thought, I was going to, I was going to hitchhike to gigs or jump on trains. I had to get to the difficult gigs a lot of the time. But we got on so well, you know. It's amazingly we great friends, and wow. you just don't know until you, you read because we'd never hang out back in the day, you know. Sure, it was sure, a rivalry, sure. and the, and we didn't actually hang out. We'd say hi, but. Okay, see, uh, uh, I mean, lyrically, the Bolshoi Trevor, his lyrics are. He's very sharp. Oh, he's a brilliant God, guitar player. Br- a brilliant oh yeah, songwriter. yeah. And those songs, to me, when he plays them, maybe he had a bass player with him on, on this tour, but um, 
when he plays them uh, acoustically, that's when the songs really come out. You can really hear them, you know. Well, He's such a talented, such a talented uh, uh, human being, you know. Well, awesome. so and charismatic as well. Well, yeah, I, I've I've seen video of his the bullshit. Like there was one they did in Argentina that was just like mm. outstanding. But yeah, yeah. But fi- yeah finding so. old bullshit live material was well, even your old live material very hard to get my hands on. You know, so yeah. Um, but Dark tapes, yeah. But uh, <laughs> well, I, I've got like probably five or six bootlegs of yours um, mm. that. You know, I again now I'm I'm kind of snobbish. I used to collect. If it was a bootleg, I I grabbed it, and now I'm I'm a little more snobbish about it. But um, right. I I think one of the funnier moments was um, you're gonna think this is just ridiculous. I was at a PIL and Flesh for Lulu show, right? And I remember Flesh for Lulu were great. And PIL were outstanding. Uh, although, if, if you know, if you've ever seen PIL live, how they'll kind of go into fifteen-minute renditions of certain songs. But, mm. um, and I, I wonder because I don't know. Anyway, the, the PIL different story. But I was going. I wish Gene Love Jezebel were here. <laughs> I just remember thinking, <laughs> totally I, thought, I thought that would make this show the greatest show of the century would be if Gene Love Jezebel were here. Because I had seen PIL earlier that summer with New Order and the Sugar Cubes, or I call them the yeah. Shithead Cubes. And uh, yeah. and then... The Orc's phenomenal voice, though. Oh yeah, I just don't talk. To, I won't. I won't talk but, about sure. But within that, within that band, you're right. That was it. They were not. I saw them. Yeah, they, they was, she shouldn't have been in that band. She was wasted in that band. But uh, but anyway, I, I remember I, that I night think, thinking. Think about Pitt or carry on. I, know, I was just thinking that night. Um, I wish they were here. This would be. You know, that was like the mm-hmm. moment I was wishing you guys had. Been, that would have been like the best gig. And I know that sounds strange, but. You know, twinkle, twinkle no, no, on a star, man. Bring Gina Jezebel to this night, you know, kind of thing. It would have been amazing. That would have, that would have been a good, good, good bill. But uh, the funny thing about, um, have you ever heard Amon Dull, the German band? No. Well, I've look, looked them up. Look for a song called Archangel. They're from the early 70s, you know, Archangel okay. Thunderbird. Okay. And then you will hear how Johnny Rotten stole that voice. Because he was in, he used to listen to all that what we called Kraut rock back in the day. Well, yeah, but he married his wife's uh, his wife's German, so German. yeah. But I've listened to, and you'll never listen to Johnny Rock the same again because mm-hmm. you realize he just. And uh, I always thought when I heard that song, when I heard him sing on with Pill stuff, I thought, my, he sounds like the singer from Eamon um, Dole, especially that song Archangel Thunderbird. And then I read Nick Kent's book, the journalist Nick Kent, and he obviously was he was actually in the Sex Pistols for one on. on in their early days for a while, you know. And he he mentions it as well. And I thought, oh, wow, that confirms what I've always thought, that Johnny Rotten just nicked that vocal style. Johnny Rotten's mis- not Mr. Original as he pretends to be. Well, I mean, I, None of us. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we all get, yeah. we all steal from someone. Like, I, stole, oh, yeah. I, I stole my hairstyle from Bruce Willis, you know, so... Um. For, whatever, for whatever reasons, but we all tend to... It influences you have to form your own identity, but, I mean, that's pretty major. That's, that's like Robert Plant stealing Steve Marriott's stick, you know, which he did. Well, and and yeah. Jimmy Page gives all credit to BB King, you know, even though he. Well, yeah. Jimmy Page takes a lot of credit for a lot of stuff he's stolen. He's the worst plagiarizer. But he he worships BB King, and he has said that over and over. It's how. Yeah. You know. Well, he should he should worship you know uh, Randy California for nicking the chords from Stairway to Heaven. He well, should say thank you. He should say thank you. For, he, he didn't even credit the, the, the nicking John Renbone. 
or, or any of the guitar players. He just st- plays, plagiarized, you know. He just takes the credit for the songs as if he wrote them. Man, Dazed you and, and I confused. could talk music Dazed, history. Dazed and confused, he stole 100%, even down to the little little riff, riff things at the end, you know. You and I could and talk like, music history like crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't even get me started on the cure, man. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything, it wouldn't be any hard at all just to say, hey, this is a cover, or we stole it. I mean, they've stolen off so much off you know, uh, black musicians uh-huh. not give them any credit. They're shocking, you know. But they but then, shocking. well, hey, let, let's hand it to the Clash for taking Bo Diddley on the road with them and paying awesome. him more well, than Clash, they made. Clapton, the Clash, they'd never do what Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, yeah where, where the Clash took Bo Diddley out because they loved Absolutely. him and, and, and they were like, yeah. and they paid Bo Diddley more than they made. Yes. You know, I like exactly. give it to Seriously, him. Seriously, but yeah. just took Nico out, you know, all as people do. They, there's not... There's no big deal giving people credit, you know. It's, you can put you. No one sounds like Led Zeppelin. No one's knocking that. They're, they're unique. The power they had, you know. But it's, it's not, you, you know. Well, so to pretend that, to stick up on stage and say, "Oh my God, this so every song sounds different." Yeah, if you're nicking, you know, everyone else's songs, you're nicking everyone else's going to leave you. They're just steals, you know. They're stolen. Well, so. Um, we're gonna we're coming up on the hour here. I'm gonna have to tie this one up, but I did want to ask really <laughs> quick. Um, I had a friend in Salt Lake here, and her name was Jody Mumford, but we called her Jody Jezebel because right. you guys were her god. She she worshipped you guys, and she talked about having met you guys. And uh, I I don't. Do you remember the crazy ass uh, groupie redhead? here from salt lake from the back i don't maybe you don't but um mm. she gave me quite the education on gene loves jezebel and uh, you know she filled in the backstory so much that right. you know i just remember buying the tapes and liking it and you know my friends and i were listening to it, but oh she was like oh and this and this and this and she talked about how i, I don't know she kissed one of you guys at uh at the uh, the Flesh for Lulu gig, and you know, one of you hugged her, and she cried. I mean, she just had all the stories. I don't know if you remember, but this girl, her <laughs> life was Jean loves Jezebel. Man, she like just it was it. She had a different T-shirt for every day of the week, kind of thing, and awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, and I I, I I don't know where she is, but uh, hey, give her a shout out. Say hey, Jody, if you're here, man. I hope to give her. Hey, I, Jody, I love you, baby. So. My favorite Jezebel, Jody. <laughs> I gotta find her. So I, I, I'm sure I'll track her down, and she'll hear this and go, you oh, know, give her my love. <laughs> okay. So you hear that, Jody? When when you hear this, uh, it came straight from Jay. So, um, so uh, picking up after quarantine, and I know you have agreed to to be in our movie. And again, thank you so mm-hmm. much in advance for that. And we're gonna do your right for that, obviously. But. Uh, what are your plans other than that? Oh well, you know we've got we've got uh, tours booked, etc. But um, you know we can't do them. We keep on <laughs> rescheduling them. You know, uh, we're supposed to be touring in in May in the UK, but the way it's going, I can't see that happening. So, a lot of bands are moving, I think, to twenty twenty two now, aren't they? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, just we're, I've got I'm putting I've been writing so many songs and a little I do little things, little sketches I do where I. If I and I often post them on my Facebook or YouTube. If I'm in one particular mood, I'll just capture the mood and just sing it, literally three or four lines, and then I'll post it. So I'm going to probably put some, um, some all that stuff up on Bandcamp or put all together an album soon. Uh, and obviously, an Ugly Bugs. 
Pete's putting all that. People keep asking us to release the ugly bug stuff we did. Uh, well, so I, I'm going to go and start harassing Pete on Facebook here then for this. Yeah, you should. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely working on that right now. So, a few things and... I, I'd say introduce me to Trevor Tanner, but he's. Uh, you, you say he'll never be around. So, um, but well, uh, you never know, Trevor. He might call you out of the blue, but you call him and you want your thing. But uh, <laughs> okay, well, so he's awesome. Such a talent. Yeah, oh no, I, I I love the guy's work. So um, yeah. Sorry, right, we're coming up on the hour a little bit more. So um, everybody, go check out Jay's work on Facebook. He he does have the Bandcamp up. I'll put that link here underneath. And uh, so Jay's going to be, well, let's hope Gene loves Jezebel and take the road again. If you ever, ever, ever get the opportunity to see them with the alarm, I don't care how much it costs, do it. Right, Jay? Because that's, that's going to be a show <laughs> a for the... Yeah, because James Stevenson plays with the alarm as well. So Yes, he does. Chance. That's right. But, but I mean, just that's going to be one of the better shows you'll ever see. I, I will say that. Yeah. So um, North and South Wales is good. So... <laughs> All right, everybody. So thank you, Jay, and uh, everybody else. Go give him a listen. Take care. Be good to each other. Let music do awesome in your lives. It's absolutely. Jezebel episode. Thank you, Jay Aston, for coming online for that. Thank you, uh, Barry Andrew, the Shriekback, for letting us use this magnificent theme and title of Sticky Jazz. For right now, um, it's just a fun vibe. I learned a lot in this conversation, and Jay's got quite the quite the kick of a personality. So let's spin this one out with uh, this is the song. Jealous off of the Gene Loves Jezebel effort called Kiss of Life. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next week.